Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, returning with some more scary stories to send chills into your evening. Welcome back, my dear audience, my listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in and for your support. Before we get started with our stories, I want to, as usual, invite you to visit my website, myhauntedolls.com. Please visit the shop and purchase your autographed book today. I have some books of scary stories and books about my haunted items and also some supernatural novels and some Nonfiction books. My newest book, Urban Darkness, Tales from Legends and Lore, is now available on the website, so get your autographed copy today. You can also find these on Amazon and Kindle and Books A Million. Some of them are on Barnes & Noble. So be sure to check those out. While you're on the website, please do click the link in the store to go to the Redbubble store where you can purchase clothing, accessories, hats, home accessories, pet accessories, all kinds of things with the My Haunted Dolls images and also the images and logo for this show, The Haunted Collection. Please be sure to check that out and show your support today. Also, please go to my YouTube page, My Haunted Dolls on YouTube. And be sure to like and subscribe because I post videos weekly of investigations into my haunted collection. And I think you'll enjoy that. So now let's get on with our show. I have a couple of good chilling stories for you tonight. Our first story seemed kind of familiar. I may have shared this before. I hope not because it's a really good one. But even if I did, who cares? It's worth sharing again. So let's get started with video camera. A few years ago, there was a young woman, or a young man, excuse me, a young man named Brian who went to university. He didn't have enough money to live in the campus accommodation, so he had to rent an apartment on his own in the city. After he had been living there alone for a while, he began to notice some strange things. Some weird things happening there. Often, when he came back from college, the curtains in his bedroom would be drawn when he distinctly remembered having left them open when he left that morning. At other times, some of his belongings seemed to have been moved and other possessions were nowhere to be found. These strange occurrences started to creep Brian out. So the young man decided to talk to his friends 
Trisha and Alex about the situation. They met him at a local diner, and over coffee, he told them all about the strange things he had noticed. Maybe I'm just being paranoid, said Brian, but I just get the sneaking suspicion that someone is breaking into my apartment during the day while I'm at university. Well, Alex said, rearranging your curtains and moving your stuff around, who in their right mind would bother doing that? It sounds crazy, but you might have a stalker, said Trisha. It's possibly, possibly, if it's true, I think the best thing to do is contact the police, don't you think? Well, what can the police do, asked Alex. They're not going to spend their time keeping your apartment under surveillance. Besides, there's no damage to any of your things. There's no sign of a break-in. In short, there's no evidence. So what options are there? pleaded Brian. I can't just do nothing. I know how you can put your mind at ease, said Trisha. It's easy. Just get a video camera, set it up in your bedroom, and leave it running when you go to college. If you really do have a stalker, you can show the tape to the police as evidence. You know, that's a great idea, said Brian. And if you're really just paranoid and crazy, joked Alex, you can show the tape to your psychiatrist. That night, Brian borrowed Trisha's video camera and brought it home. The very next morning, he hid it discreetly under some folders on his desk. Before he went to college, he pressed the record button and left it running. During the day, while he sat taking notes and lectures, the young man forgot all about the video camera. It was not until he arrived home and went into his bedroom that he remembered his plan. Taking the video camera out of its hiding place, he pressed the stop button. Then he took out his mobile phone and called his friend. Hey Trish, I just got home. I'm going to watch the video. Cool, said Trisha. Don't hang up. Tell me if you see anything. He pressed play and watched the recording on the video camera's tiny screen. He saw himself leaving for university in the morning and closing the bedroom door. Then there was nothing. He pressed fast forward and scanned through the video, but the room was empty. Still nothing, he said. Oh, I can wait, replied Trisha. Anyway, there's nothing wor worth watching on TV at the moment. 
OMG, cried Brian as he pressed play on the camera. What? What is it? Trisha begged excitedly. It's the door, said Brian. It's opening on the video. It's a woman. What's she doing? asked Trisha. She's just standing there, closing the door, walking around. Oh my goodness, so weird. What, what does she look like? I can't see her face. A long, black, stringy hair, tattered dress. Trisha puzzled this for a moment. Do you know her? No, said Brian. I don't recognize her at all. She's carrying a knife. A big, big kitchen knife. She's going through my trash. And now, she's picking up my clothes and sniffing them. Oh, said Trisha. Gross, what's wrong with her? She's going over to the closet, said Brian. She, she just got into the closet. Trisha pleaded with him, Fast forward and see if she does anything else. Brian scanned through the video for a while, but the room was empty. You know what this means, said Brian. I have the evidence now. I can go to the police, and they'll take me seriously. I know, said Trisha. They'll have to. Brian gave a sort of a small laugh. Alex is totally going to freak when he sees this. Oh, no doubt, said Trisha. He didn't believe you, did he? But I did. I know, Trisha. You're a good friend. Oh, my God. Trisha perked up when she heard the alarm in Brian's voice. What? What is it? Brian pressed prey again. The door's opening again, said Brian. Who is it? asked Trisha. Oh, it's okay, said Brian. It's just me coming home from college. He watched himself on the screen, shutting off the camera. We should go to the police now, begged Trisha. I'll go with you. We can show them the tape. Okay, said Brian. I'll meet you at the diner in 15 minutes. He grabbed the video camera. Okay, said Trisha, and then she halted. But but wait a minute. You said she got into the closet. But did she ever leave? Brian, did she ever get out of the closet? A chill ran down Brian's spine. Behind him, he heard the closet door creak open. Brian, get out of there, screamed Trisha, but it was too late. The phone went dead. When she tried to call him again, there was no answer. Later that evening, the police found the body of the 18-year-old college student, Brian, 
lying in a pool of blood. He had been stabbed 21 times. The video camera was still clutched in his cold, dead hands. When the police examined the camera, they discovered that the memory card was missing. No trace of the woman was ever found. Where did she go to? Is she stalking someone else? Maybe. Perhaps even right now, she could be hiding in your closet. Now that was a really good story. I don't think I remember sharing that, but if I did, it was a a story worth repeating. (laughs) And uh, I'm sorry if I stuttered a few times in the story, but some of these, as they're written, have some misspellings, so I have to stop and sort of catch myself. But I apologize for anything I get wrong in, in reading these stories to you. And now, without further ado, let's get on to our last story. Since it's Halloween just around the corner, in just a few days, it's going to be October 1st, the start of the Halloween season. And to get us ready, here's a nice, really amazing story about what could be a real vampire. This one is correctly titled, I Want to Be a Vampire. There was a teenage boy named Lorcan who said he wanted to be a vampire. Everyone thought he was just looking for attention. He didn't have any friends. All of the kids in school were afraid of him. He was very odd-looking, and his head seemed to be too large for his body. He was unnaturally thin, and his eyes were sunken, and he had dark circles around them. His cheeks were hollow, and his skin was a deathly shade of pale. He dressed in black from head to toe, and wore a long black trench coat that resembled a cape. When the other kids were playing sports, Lorcan would be sitting in the corner of the schoolyard, engrossed in one of his books. He collected books about vampires, devil worship, and satanic rituals. He read each one over and over, feverishly underlining passages and taking notes. There were always strange rumors about him floating around the neighborhood. Some of the younger children claimed they had seen him murder a dog and drink its blood. Others said he would kidnap cats in the neighborhood and bring them home 
so that he could perform weird experiments on them. His parents were worried sick about him. His odd behavior unnerved them, and they didn't know what to do with him. They brought him to doctors and psychiatrists, but none of it did any good. One night, his mother found some of his books. When she realized they were about Satanism, she was horrified and threw them in the garbage. Lorcan didn't complain or protest, but when his parents went to bed, he crept downstairs and went outside to retrieve his beloved books from the trash. The next day, he made a big hole in the ceiling of his wardrobe. It was his secret passage, and it allowed him to crawl up into the attic unnoticed. He kept all his books there, safe from prying eyes. The attic became his secret place. He even constructed a makeshift altar and decorated it with satanic symbols, upside-down crosses, and crude drawings of the devil. One night, he broke into the local church and stole a silver chalice and some communion wafers. He brought them home and placed them on his altar. During the day, Lorcan was sleepy and lethargic, but at night, he would come alive. While his mother and father were asleep, he would creep around the house barefoot, trying not to make the slightest sound. Sometimes, he would creep soundlessly into their bedroom and stand over them, watching their peaceful slumber. One day, the teacher gave everyone in class an assignment. They had to write an essay entitled, When I Grow Up. The teacher asked if anyone wanted to read their essay out loud to the class, and Lorcan raised his hand. He stood in front of the blackboard, holding a crumpled piece of paper, and cleared his throat. When I grow up, he began, I want to be a vampire. The other kids rolled their eyes and giggled. Lorcan was so excited, the paper was shaking in his hands. I want to sleep in a coffin, he continued. I want to surround myself with death. I want to dedicate myself to evil and get revenge on all of my enemies. I will surrender my soul to Satan and accept him as my Lord and Savior. That's enough, Lorcan, the teacher interrupted. Lorcan ignored her and his voice grew louder. None of his classmates were giggling now. 
I want to drink the blood of little boys and girls and feel it coursing through my veins. I want to sink my teeth into the soft flesh of my victims and feel their hot blood trickling down my throat. Stop it, Lorcan, the teacher cried. Sit down. But he continued, I want to rip them open, pull out their insides, and feast on their entrails. I want to destroy every living thing and burn the world. I want to kill everyone who made fun of me. The teacher lunged at him, snatching the paper out of his hands. Lorcan clawed at her and screamed like a mad thing. As she grabbed him by the neck and marched him off to the principal's office, he was yelling, I want to be a vampire. I want to kill you all. I want to kill you all. Lorcan was suspended from school, and his parents had to meet with the teacher and the school principal. After that, everyone watched him like a hawk. Neighbors would pull their children off the street if they saw him coming. Rumors spread quickly about him, and nobody wanted anything to do with him. One day, a little boy who lived in the neighborhood went missing. His parents searched for him, but there was no sign of him anywhere. It was as if he had vanished into thin air. The police were called, and they knocked on every door in the area, asking questions. One officer questioned Lorcan and noticed he was acting very nervous. The policeman had a bad feeling about the teenager, so he insisted on speaking to his mother and father. Lorcan's parents let the policeman in and agreed to let him search the house, which caused Lorcan to grow even more nervous. The police officer searched Lorcan's room, but did not find anything suspicious. Then he opened the wardrobe and noticed the hole in the ceiling. When he poked his head up through the hole and peered into the attic, his eyes were greeted by a horrifying sight. Later, he would say it was the single most disturbing thing he had ever seen in his life. The dead body of the missing boy was hanging from the roof. His arms and legs were tied to the rafters of the attic in the shape of a crucifix. Beneath him was a satanic altar surrounded by books on devil worship. On the altar was a silver chalice filled with blood. The policeman scrambled downstairs and raised the alarm. He shouted for his colleagues and when he told them what he had seen, they began a desperate search for Lorcan, but the teenager was nowhere to be found. His parents had no idea where he was. Policemen went on the street, 
and they swore they hadn't seen anyone leave the house. Nobody could find any trace of the teenage boy. The police were baffled. They were sure there was no way the boy could have escaped without being noticed. It was a complete mystery. Later on, one of the officers did recall witnessing something strange. He said that just after all the commotion had started, he thought he saw something fly out of one of the upstairs windows. It flapped its wings and disappeared into the night. He thought his eyes were playing tricks on him, but he could have sworn it was a large black bat. was a really intense story, wasn't it? And supposedly it was based on a real murder. But was the real murderer a vampire? Was this story really true? I'll let you be the judge of that. (laughs) Well, that's it for me. I thank you for listening in and enjoying these stories with me. And I shall return in October in just a couple of weeks with some more chilling stories for the season. Until then, behave and be good. Make sure to watch out for any items that go missing strangely in your house or any weird teenage boys who dress all in black. Be sure to keep those windows and doors locked and check under the beds and in the closet before you go to sleep. But by all means, have a happy haunting. (laughs) 